0: Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Thursday, October 17th, 2019. This is Jay Zawoski. Thanks for joining us here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. The Hawks were back at practice on Wednesday. Lots of news to get to, lots of notes to get to. Before we do that, I want to tell you how to get in touch with me. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Blackhawks. Send me an email, lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com, or leave a voicemail, 708-653-0572. You can also follow my Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at MadhousePod. A brand new, uh, nearly hour-long episode was released on Wednesday afternoon, so check that out. Me and my partner, James Neveau, get together once or twice a week for a longer form, sort of a free-form Hawks podcast, very different from Locked On, so check that one out. Again, follow that one at Madhouse Pod, And then my personal Twitter account is at JayZawaski670. Uh, going to go a little bit out of script from what we usually do. In the uh, middle part of the show, I'm going to play you a chunk of Jeremy Calton's press conference today. He talked about Kirby Doc's future. He talked about the intensity they're practicing with. Jonathan Taves' early struggles and Alex Nylander's performance this year is very open, very candid after Wednesday's practice, so I want to share that audio with you. Later on in the show, we're going to name the three stars of the week. We'll go through the three top performers, go over their numbers. This early in the season, it's kind of hard to say. You know, these guys really, truly stood out, but I've pinpointed a few Blackhawks who I think deserve some praise for the first four games, and uh, we'll name the three stars of the week. Call it three-star Thursdays. That's clever, right? Three-star Thursday kind of rolls off the tongue. Yeah, three-star Thursdays. This will be the first edition of three-star Thursdays. And another thing, very important, very exciting. On tomorrow's podcast, you will hear an interview with David Boland, who is being honored Friday night before the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets with one more shift. He's the first of the 2010 Blackhawks to be recognized this season there will be a lot of them named a lot of them recognized as the season goes on but Dave Bolin the hero of 17 seconds will be a guest on locked on Blackhawks on Friday morning so don't miss that podcast but first a really interesting note I saw earlier from Jimmy Greenfield here's this note since the start of last season Eric Gustafson has played 25 minutes or more 16 times The Hawks are 1, 12, and 4 in those games. They're 8 and 3 when Gustafson plays 20 minutes or fewer, including Monday's win. Now, that's a limited sample size, I know. But we saw early on this season, when Duncan Keith and Eric Gustafson were paired together, it didn't work. It didn't work. And, you know, for all the hope we had that Eric Gustafson would develop his defensive game over the offseason i feel like it's regressed i feel like it's gotten worse and of course we're four games into the season of course things can get better and when the power plays if if and when the power play starts to click his numbers will go up and i think we'll all value eric a little better but there's no way no chance that he should play more than 20 minutes 25 minutes is absurd There's no way you can have a guy who's that poor defensively on the ice for 25 minutes a game. They can't. And the statistics bear it out. Like I said, in those 16 games since the start of last season, the Hawks are 1-12-4 in those games. Yes, it's 16 games, and a lot of things go in to wins or losses, but that is something that can't be ignored. You can't put a guy out there that's that defensively deficient and play him top-pairing minutes. There's a reason... The Hawks have looked better since Connor Murphy came back, and especially since Connor Murphy was paired with Duncan Keith. That started in the Winnipeg game, where the Hawks lost in overtime but played a better game all around, and of course Monday's game against the Oilers, where they played their finest game of the year the entire team, and I think that pairing. Connor Murphy's not an ideal top pair guy either, but at least he's capable. At least he's good enough defensively to go out there and, and try to shut down the opponent, and he did a very good job. We've been praising the David Kampfline for shutting down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's line, but Keith and Murphy were out there for a lot of those matchups as well, so they deserve some credit too. And for Keith to have a guy he can trust who can sort of protect Keith from his own aggressiveness, that's a good thing. Keith can't be responsible for himself at 36 years old and Eric Gustafson too. That's not fair, especially the kind of game Duncan Keith plays. Even in his prime, Duncan Keith was a guy who would take some risks. He had the speed back then to make up for most of his mistakes. If he turned a puck over, he would turn around and chase down the guy that stole the puck from him and take it away again, and that's what made him a Norris Trophy-level defenseman. That's what made him a surefire Hall of Famer. At 36 years old, he doesn't have that speed anymore. He's still, I think, faster than most defensemen in the league, but he doesn't have that I can recover from any mistake at any time sort of speed. So to have Connor Murphy, who is more conservative. Yeah. He's got some ability to get pucks through and can move the puck a little bit, but similar to Nicholas Jalmerson, he's not that good. Don't, don't misquote me. He's not as good as Nicholas Jalmerson, but plays a similar game where, yeah, I can, he can move the puck a little bit, but more often than not, you're going to count on him for his defense and having him with Duncan Keith has worked so far through two games. And Having Gustafson down with Calvin DeHaan has made some sense too. It's sort of the Keith Murphy light. Gustafson is way more aggressive offensively than Keith, but he also can't make up for his mistakes. And Calvin DeHaan is probably a tick, a tick below, maybe a little bit below Connor Murphy defensively. Maybe it's a wash if you're a big Connor, if you're a big Calvin Dehan fan. Maybe when he's fully healthy, it'll be a wash, or maybe he get a little bit of an edge. But I think at this point. You give the edge a little bit to Connor Murphy, but Dehan can sort of protect Eric Gustafson from his mistakes. And he's got more speed than Seabrook or Mata to do those sort of things. So, you know, this Gustafson thing is going to be a very interesting story all year round. You've got, we've talked about it to death, and we will continue to, you've got Anabokwis waiting in the wings. Who can come in and provide better offense, probably, than Gustafson. And at least similar defense I mean if you're going to have a guy that's a disaster defensively it might as well be a kid it might as well be somebody with some upside I don't think you're ever going to duplicate what Eric Gustafson did last season now maybe the thought in playing him big minutes and trying to get those point totals up is to showcase him is to trade him sooner than later or maybe you want to wait to the deadline and see how the team's doing maybe that's the idea but I, I don't know, like at, at what cost, right? If you're going to play him 23, 24, 25 minutes a night, you're going to be chasing a lot of deficits with him getting that sort of ice time. And like I said, without the shutdown defenseman even on this team, they don't really have a true shutdown number one defenseman. At this point, Duncan Keith is a solid number two, which we're all looking for. Who doesn't want a solid number two, right? that's a, That's one of your main goals every morning. They don't have the true shutdown number one guy. And until they get that guy, and I don't know if he's even, I don't think he's in the system. It would have to be via trade or draft or free agency. And there's not a ton of those guys in the league even. But until they get a guy like that, who's a total shutdown guy, having Gustafson play top minutes is dangerous and fatal and can really, really do some damage to what the Blackhawks are trying to do This season, it is locked on Blackhawks on the lockdown podcast network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. Happy Thursday. Thanks for joining us uh, again on lockdown. Blackhawks really appreciate the support so far Uh, said in the earlier part of the show that I'm going to break format a little bit and play an extended chunk of Jeremy Cowden's post-practice interview from Wednesday. Had some very interesting things to say. Listen closely to what Jeremy Cowton is saying. I think there's a lot of value in what he gave. A uh, Very open, very frank about the way things are going for the Blackhawks, and it's sort of refreshing. When you hear a coach talk this way with this much confidence, it makes you feel good about the way things are going uh, moving forward. Before I play it, I do want to apologize. There is a bit of a hum in the background. That is from the uh, source tape on the Blackhawks website, so apologies for that. Try to bear with it. I think it's worth...
1: Uh, sort of suffering through
0: the little bit of the hum in the background
1: what reports have you gotten from doc in uh, in rockford how doing? yeah i've played two games uh saw a little bit of it not enough to really comment too much but uh i think it's been good for him to just get back uh, playing get used to the grind of the pro game and uh he's had some contact and made some plays and it's good is there a timeline for where he can maybe play with you guys uh well, you can only be down there for two weeks. So after that, uh, then it certainly it's on the radar. But uh, I don't think we have it down to the day. You
0: guys are using a lot more two-on-two, two-on-one, one-on-one drills in practice.
1: Just, what's the emphasis behind some of those? We've got to compete uh, on both sides of the puck. Compete offensively, compete defensively, beyond the puck. Um, it's, it's hard to defend. It's hard to create offense. Uh, practice should be hard. So... Um, something we're we're focused on. I think the guys are responding pretty well. Has Taves improved last game after it's come a slow start to the year? Yeah, I think to say he's improved would imply like he's been bad. Like I don't I don't agree. Uh, I think he's playing hard. And uh, whether the points go in or not, th- those tend to even out. Like top players find a way to produce eventually and then they all go through stretches where it doesn't go in the net form, but I got zero issues with his work ethic and compete level, and he's gonna lead the way for us. Can you see Alex Lander having a permanent home on the fourth line uh well, nothing's permanent you know it's it's all about performance and how you're gonna help the team win but uh you know we watched the shifts together today. I thought he was very good um eleven shifts he's probably good for five and great for five, and he had one tough one so he helped us win. He's a big part of our uh, part of that win the other night, and it can be a little bit easier for him when he's playing less to really focus on the quality uh, when he's out there, and maybe not a bad thing for him as he grows into an everyday NHLer.
0: That audio again, courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawks.com. We thank them for use of the audio. A lot to digest there. First thing uh, Jeremy Cowan mentioned was Kirby Doc down in Rockford, and we've sort of been speculating how long will he be there. What's the plan? When will he make his Blackhawks debut? From decoding Jeremy Colleton in his comments just then, it doesn't sound like they're going to rush it. It sounds like he's going to get the benefit of the full two weeks down in Rockford, and I know my initial response to that when I heard it earlier was frustration. I just want to see him play. I want to see Kirby Doc play. I've been waiting since the day they drafted him to see him play, but I think if I take a step back and look at the macro of the decision, it makes sense. This is a luxury that we didn't think the Blackhawks were going to have, and if there is a silver lining to the ridiculous injury he suffered in Traverse City in the meaningless tournament, it is that he gets some time to go play in Rockford before he begins his NHL career. That's something we didn't think he was going to have when they drafted him. It was either Chicago or Saskatoon, and that was it. So the added benefit of this injury time missed is that he gets some development time down in Rockford and maybe, just maybe, the concussion wasn't as bad as the Hawks let on and this was the plan all along. It could have been. It's not the dumbest thing in the world. You say you've got a guy injured. You say you need to get him a rehab stint. The best thing for his development is probably spending some time in Rockford and while they can't send him there for the whole year or the bulk of the year, two weeks is something. And it will get him up to speed, it will also get his conditioning back, and it will have him playing against professionals, NHL-type talent, uh, for the first time in his career. So, it's frustrating, and of course, we all want to see Kirby Doc play for the Blackhawks. We're all chomping at the bit to see it, but this is sort of a blessing in disguise, I think, for the Blackhawks. Next thing he mentioned, uh, John Dietz asked about the intensity of the practice drills, and This has been a message from Calton all year, and I think the win against, I don't think, I know, the win against Edmonton was the first time we saw the Hawks really put together a 60-minute complete effort of competitiveness, of really trying, of really working their asses off. And that's something that Calton had talked about all year leading up to that game. And that's what he said about the practice drills. It's about competing. And one quote I loved, practice should be hard. I agree It should not be a cakewalk. It should not be a skate through. It should not be, you know, like uh, in football, it's just no shoulder pads. just helmets and shorts, right? No. In hockey, intensity is a good thing. It helps with your conditioning. It helps you with in-game situations. It helps the competitiveness. Physical practices are a good thing. I was a football player for a long time, and I loved physical practices. I loved hard practices because I felt like it got me the most prepared for the game, and I think hockey is is very similar, and uh, I like that he said that practice should be hard. Love to hear that. Next, he was asked about Jonathan Taves, uh, sort of starting slow and improving. I did find it interesting that he did not think Taves is off to a bad start. Every number you look at tells you Taves is off to a bad start. He was better against Edmonton. There's no doubt about it. That line with him and Kajula and DeBrinket has been okay, but he doesn't have a point yet. The advanced statistics are really bad, and when you look at those possession numbers, not only are they not great, he also has started most of his shifts in the offensive zone. So it's not like he's, back in the day when you would see Jonathan Tave's struggle, you would say, yeah, okay, but he's defending against the, the opponent's top you know, lines and everything. That's not the case this year. That's been reserved for the Camp Saad, and Kubalik line, and they've done a hell of a job. So, to just write it off as, oh, you know, Taves, he's just, uh, you know, drawing tough competition in defensive zone starts? No, it's not the case. 70-plus percent of his own starts are in the offensive zone, and uh, he's not drawing those tough matchups that he usually does. So, I am a little more concerned about Jonathan Taves and Jeremy Cowton is, but like he said, great players find a way, and if there's anyone who's going to work their ass off to get to improve their game, we all know it's Jonathan Taves. So, I'm not overly super concerned, um, but something to keep an eye on. I'm glad Calton isn't concerned because if he was, that would be pretty scary. Uh, finally, he mentioned Alex Nylander and, and said that he watched the game film with him on Wednesday, which is cool. I, I like that he's sitting down with players going over the going over the tape and he said he had five good shifts, five great shifts, and one bad shift. I think he said one not so great shift or whatever he said. Nylander had a solid game. I think that was his best game so far as a Blackhawk. And maybe he's getting the message that if he wants to play and if he wants to stay in the lineup, he's going to have to deliver, you know, those 10 out of 11 good shifts per game. It's going to be tough for him. It's been a knock on him his entire career, but it's good to see that he that we that we all saw him have a good game. And so did Jeremy Colleton. The weather's getting colder. There's fewer things to do outside. It's concert season. It's winter sports season. If you're trying to go to a concert or a game, nothing beats being there and no one is better than Vivid Seats for tickets to all the live events you want to see. You can sort by price. You can cherry pick the exact seats or row or section you want all in the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats Rewards is their new loyalty program. With Vivid Seats Rewards, you can attend the concert or game you want and earn credit towards the next live event on your radar. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app You'll be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That brings us to three star Thursdays on Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you want to nominate someone for a star of the week, send us an email, lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com, a tweet at LO underscore Blackhawks, or a voicemail if you want to, 708-653-0572. Kind of tough to draw three stars this early in the season, especially when the Hawks got off to such a bad start this year. But my number three star, of the week is going to go to Patrick Kane, two goals, three assists, five points in four games. He only has eight shots on goal through four games. Obviously, that needs to be better. He needs to be more of a factor overall, but even at uh, you know B-level play, he is the team's leading scorer, and he has been a difference maker. Uh, so Patrick Kane gets my number three star. Number two star of the week is going to go to Connor Murphy. He leads all defensemen with a 5729 Corsi 4 percentage again if you're not sure what these numbers mean what Corsi what Fenwick what all these things are about I will put a description in the episode uh, description <laughs> I'll put a link in the episode description rather so you guys can go to naturalstattrick.com check out their glossary and learn what all these terms mean it will make you a better and a smarter hockey fan just like in any sport metrics are not the be-all end-all of hockey analysis, but it's another tool to have when you're trying to determine how a player is performing, why they're performing well, why they're overperforming or underperforming. There's a lot of things that can go into those numbers that can help determine why things are going the way they are. My number one star of the week is going to go to Brandon Saad. Two goals, one assist, three points. He has been the catalyst for that third line. Uh, Brandon Saad also has hit a ton of posts this week. He could easily have five goals already, on the season and you know almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades is what my grandfather always used to say but he's been really really good and that David Kampf line has been absolutely shut down and that matchup they drew and the performance that line had against Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle was absolutely outstanding they are the only team that has really shut down that pair that line all season long and I think they deserve special credit there's no doubt Through four games, that that's been the Blackhawks' best line, and when we've been talking about the imminent return of Kirby Doc, a lot of us have sort of pointed, myself included, to David Camp is the obvious replacement. He's a center. He's on the third line. That's kind of where we would envision Kirby Doc going. But if this line continues to play as well as as they've played, whenever they're ready to bring Kirby Doc back, might not be the best idea to take David Camp out of the lineup or move him to a different spot. I'm not in any rush. To do that whatsoever. With that in mind, Zach Smith, who was traded, acquired in a trade for Artem Anisimov this summer, has not really been super noticeable. And I'm not going to say he's been bad. And it's a guy who's not playing a lot by any means. But if you're looking for a guy to scratch, if you're looking for a guy who Kirby Doc could potentially fill in for, and if even if you want him playing center, Doc, you can put. Carpenter on a wing, and you could put Neilander there, Perlini or whoever you want. I think Neilander makes some sense because then it gives him an offensively talented guy to play with. But Zach Smith, that's a guy to keep an eye on for someone who could potentially sit when Kirby Doc returns. Again, it feels like we're a little bit away here from that being a reality, from that being uh, a situation the Blackhawks are going to look at, but. Uh, So far this season, Zach Smith is under 40% in Corsi and Fenwick. And, um, you know, he is starting most of his shifts in the defensive zone, 70% to be exact. So he's not going to necessarily dominate on possession, but he hasn't been playing much. He was rested in practice on Wednesday, along with Duncan Keith, given a maintenance day, which is a good thing to do when you've got veteran guys who, you know, they can miss a practice here and there. They've been through so many games. They know what they're doing. But when we're looking for potential replacements, when Doc comes back, that could be a candidate. And this goes back to my philosophy of the best players should play regardless of what they've accomplished earlier in their career. Yes, I got mud on my face or pie on my face. What is a cliche? I keep butchering cliches this weekend, this week. I don't know what the deal is. But just like I said with Corey Crawford, where I thought Robin Leonard should get the start on Monday. Yes, Crawford was great on Monday, so it all worked out but the best players should play. And if you don't feel like Zach Smith, despite the pedigree, despite the tons of games of experience he's had in his career, he should be the guy that sits, right? If you think Kirby Doc's a better option and is going to make the team better now, then that's what you have to do. And going back to the Jeremy Cowden tape we played, that's what he said about Nylander. He's helping the team now, so he's going to play. Brendan Perlini's more of a veteran than Alex Nylander, right? Andrew's getting the edge because he's playing better that's how it should be at every position regardless of the status of the player you're replacing so maybe just maybe in a week or whatever it's going to be for Kirby Doc maybe Zach Smith is the is the odd man looking in that's another cliche I butchered the odd man out and on the outside looking in there we go got it by the way since it looks like Doc's not going to be back soon the Rockford Ice Hawks play the Wolves on Friday in Rockford. But then on Saturday, the Ice Hawks come to Chicago to play the Wolves. So you've got two opportunities this weekend to see Kirby Dock play in or near Chicago. So make sure you take advantage of that and go see the Hawks' top prospect, Kirby Dock, compete against the Wolves. I might go Saturday. i got to see what's going on. This weekend, I always have to check in with the wife and see what the plans are, um, but it looks pretty free. I might try to find a way to get to that game on Saturday uh, and go watch Kirby Doc play live because, like I've said, I'm chomping at the bit to see the kid play. I watched the two games, portions of the two games he had in Rockford on the AHL uh, TV feed, but it's not the same. Watching on a tablet, and it's hard. It's, it's very difficult to keep up. The camera work isn't great. It's kind of a faraway shot. Um, so it's hard to really get a ton of analysis that way. So maybe Saturday I'm going to go out and see Kirby Doc play. So anyway, keep that in mind. Something to do for the weekend. Um, you won't have a Lockdown Blackhawks to listen to on Saturday morning. So you can, you know, there's one less thing you have to do. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in, as always, to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll be back on Friday with our interview with David Boland, who will be in, who will be honored with one last shift on Friday night so do not miss that interview Friday morning David Bowman joins Jay Zawoski on Lockdown Blackhawks part of the Lockdown Podcast Network your team every day